everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing the 2002 Guillermo del Toro movie, Blade 2, starring Wesley Snipes, Chris Christopherson, and Ron Perlman. Also, Luke Goss is in here. He's not in the top three. But uh, <laughs> Thomas, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Absolutely. Blade forms an uneasy alliance with the Vampire Council in order to combat the Reapers who are feeding on vampires. I like Ooh. that. What did you think of Blade 2? Uh, I like Blade 2 a lot. I enjoy it. I, I think it's, yeah, really strong movie in, in the run of this trilogy. Yeah, the cast is really great. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is just a really good director to sort of go and like dive into this deep lore with like vampires, daywalkers, and reapers and all this stuff going on. And yeah, just the, the casting is really strong. Is having Ron Perlman and um yeah, you know, Donnie Yen is in this. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's just it's just a ridiculous kind of like who's who and just like action stars that sort of show up later on in later 2000s. Um I keep forgetting his name. Norman Reedus. Yeah, this is just like a lot of really great people in this movie. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. The production value is fantastic. The Reapers are a really fucking gnarly enemy to be fighting. And yeah, it's cool. It does some fun stuff. Um, I, yeah, I think it solves a lot of the issues from the first one, but I think it's not without any little hiccups. I, I, don't, it, I feel like it has a little bit too big of a cast. It sort of doesn't quite know what to do with them towards the end. I think the the sewer sequence is just like a quick, just kind of cleaning the chessboard moment where just like a lot of people just get wiped out. But yeah. besides that, I, it's really fun. These characters are great. There's, you know, a guy named Lighthammer is walking around with a huge hammer. And yeah, it's just, it's a silly, you know, like a B movie, but yeah, it's, it's just really fun. What did you think about it? Um, this movie fucking kicks ass, dude. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome. Like, I like that it's just another Blade adventure, that it's not, it's not like a matrix where they're trying to build this overarching story across the three movies. Yeah. It's just like blade getting thrown into some other vampire shenanigans. Um, and yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking great. I, it's interesting as a Guillermo del Toro movie, um, this predated Hell, uh, Hellboy, right? When would the Hellboy come out? 20, oh, Hellboy came out in 2004, right? So this predated Hellboy by a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It, it, like, Guillermo del Toro is such a... I, I'm never sure, is he a good filmmaker? <laughs> like, he kind of... Oh, yes. Like, Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth is great. I liked Shape of Water. I know some people, you know, that winning the Best Picture award was uh, kind of controversial for some people, but I dug it. I'm like, hell yeah, a woman fucking a fish man, like, is the best picture of the year? Sure, I'm all about it. Yeah, that's great. And you <laughs> haven't seen my Pacific Rim back tattoo, so you don't know about... <laughs> that that fandom that i have I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I like i like pacific rim and yeah del toro's great yeah uh he is just like yeah just a very visually driven and just yeah just for the reliance on practical effects and just you know just kind of just doing stuff in a like the simple way i think it just really pays off and yeah just just like there's so many good moments and just like really nice just like okay this is just vampire shit just turned up to 11 like yeah, yeah. them doing lines of blood coke inside of like yeah. inside the club and, <laughs> but the dissections uh scene the in this movie is really fantastic rules it's so good yeah um, it's just there's just so much good stuff in this and yeah i i i'll defend del toro because he's he's like he's one of a kind in my opinion like you don't have a lot of directors you know who are going to be doing fairy tale like movies and you know 
making just like the movies feel fun and big like we, they did when we were kids you know he i think he is one of the few directors that like truly understands that and is like running with that yeah he's a big he's a big fucking nerd he's super into monsters and horror and yeah yeah it's great yeah, it's interesting that he does his serious stuff with like Pan's Labyrinth, The Shape of Water, this more dramatic fair, but then he does stuff like Blade Two and Hellboy, where it's just he's uh he's allowing himself to, to explore the cheese and to really appreciate the cheese and uh and he does a great job with it. He's just having fun. Uh it's pure fucking cinema. <laughs> like Yeah, and I appreciate, you know, having Ron Perlman sort of wrapped into this too, because yeah, he feels like uh, you know, like a '80s movie villain, sort of. You know, he would fit perfectly in, like, you know, a tr- uh, sorry, sorry, I was gonna say Transformers. He would fit perfectly in, like, a Terminator movie or like a Predator movie. He just like he just has that really good on-screen presence where he's just like, you know, he, his, his slow miming of "fuck you" when they're inside the club yeah. pointing the guns at each other. It's just like, yeah, it's just silly. It's over the top, and yeah, he doesn't take his sunglasses of off the entire movie. Yeah, because you know you, you can't. That's uh, that's not allowed. You got to yeah. keep the sunglasses it's like on. Like in a contract <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, it's funny that you inter- you mentioned him as like an '80s villain because last episode I mentioned that Blade feels like it is. It's sort of uh, you know it's the end of an era, like um, '80s '90s action. I always think of that as like '80s '90s action is like a bar fight. You know, it's like a bunch of bikers like beating the shit out of each other. And then the Matrix yeah. happens, and then everything becomes a little bit more sleek and sexy. Uh, you know, we get that yeah. RoboCop remake uh, down the line where it's he's like a much sleeker robot. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I can think of some more examples. But everything felt very, you know, how can we play with the camera in a way that's very uh, smooth outside of, like, you know, the Bourne movies, which gave us all that shaky cam. But, uh, yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the Matrix because, yeah, this particular franchise sort of yeah it shows up before the matrix and now this one's like right in the middle between matrix yeah. one and uh reloaded and i think it does sort of take a little bit from that it is yeah. that influence a lot because we get like the sequence when they're all suiting up and they got all the leather gear before they go into the club and most of the soundtrack is just like rap music over like really fast electronic songs and so it's like i'm really into that it's like when we first meet norman reed he's listening to red man and i'm like i've been listening to a lot of red man recently and it's like yeah it just feels very early 2000s where yeah it's just it has that particular edge to it (laughs) we got that fucking crystal method song at the end uh yeah yeah what's that fucking yeah, and then the, like the most deaf eye against eye, just yeah, just with him in massive attack. It's just yeah, it's just great. So um, yeah, let's kind of dive into this a little bit. It sort of starts off with this like rescue mission. This is the part that like stuck out to me the most. Like I sort of don't like the well. I guess what's your opinion on the the very quick like recap monologue that Blade gives at the beginning? So I, I always forget that that's a part of this movie. I'm already forgetting that that's a part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like he just sort of is like, yeah, I'm a daywalker. I have their strengths, but I don't have their weaknesses. I mean, sort of, I don't, that's like the only real thing. It's like the opening crawl sort of situation. A little bit, yeah. But I remember when I watched this the first time, I thought it just jumped directly into that little alleyway fight scene with like the spinning fucking thing he has, his little batarang. Yeah. But like, I wish it sort of did just jump directly into that, skip that just brief monologues. So I feel like we don't really need it. It's just like, well, we start with of... the Luke Goss stuff where he's going to, he's like at 
is he like donating blood like what is happening he's like trying to sell his blood and then he's a vampire yeah <laughs> yeah he, yeah he's going into a blood bank yeah and so and you first you think you're like oh it's just a drug addict or something who needs some money and then he he is a double vampire he's a reaper um, <laughs> i like that they basically yeah the villains are basically double vampires it's like okay we'll have a vampire who eats vampires and then i'm assuming trinity is just a vampire who eats reapers um and they just keep stacking them yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like that uh, double vampire. I didn't, uh, that's a great term. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I appreciate just the silliness of yeah, just that plot. It's like yeah, like the blade calls vampires. Like they're explaining it like in the yeah, vampires are like a cancer and like it's like it was a cancer with a purpose or something like that or like someone someone says yeah, the like cancer with a purpose, but the reapers are like this offshoot of this virus and yeah. so they're just they they're need to feed <laughs> yeah, double cancer they need to feed every hour or so like a crackhead and so it's just like yeah, yeah that, that one it's like really sticks out but yeah they're sort of just not really giving a shit and they're just going balls to the wall with this like the exposition just explaining yeah but reapers are double bad they're is the enemy of my enemy your friend or my enemy yeah. and so like it's just and yeah i think the uh, the opening sequence inside of that alleyway is a lot of fun just because yeah it's just really i don't know it feels this dynamic of just you know the motorcycles coming towards him and he's like sort of hijacks one and yeah got the the effect of him stabbing the vampires and they just turn into that little like yeah. bloody skeleton mist and so i think it yeah, looks fire bit, dust or whatever yeah <laughs> it looks a little bit better this time around and yeah he like does a kissy motion towards his car or something yeah. like that <laughs> i didn't quite understand that <laughs> but it's like all oh, right sure wesley snipes he's having fun uh, I'm sure that's all him. But yeah, he yeah. fucking rules. It's like Wesley Snipes in a leather trench coat with a sword, with double knives, with stakes that kind of look like vibrators, if I'm being honest. Uh, he's doing martial bit, arts. Yeah. He's wearing his sunglasses. Uh, they're like speed ramping the action. So it's like everything's moving a little bit faster than it should, which can come off a little silly, but it's like, fuck it, it's Blade. He looks great. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, what do you think about the like the action and the fights in this movie? Because that's like we get a lot more of it. And there's a lot more sequences where it's just just straight up fight choreography. So what do you think about it this time? around? I mean, I think it's it has the same problem the previous one has, which is just like they're a little too cutty. But like, I, I feel like the choreography is there. I wish we just got to see it a little bit more. Donnie Yen was a choreographer on this movie. Um, yeah. I think there was like three other choreographers, including Wesley Snipes. And like, um, I read that they were always like, uh, kind of competing with Donnie Yen to like, see who could like make the best fight scenes, which is great. It's a great idea yeah. to have like a bunch of choreographers trying to outdo each other for a movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the actions. Really, yeah, that's so cool. I think the action's really good. I like, um, one thing I know. So one thing they do in this movie is they do CG people, which never looks good uh matrix reloaded does it with neo fighting all the agent smiths but i think it actually looks better here and i think part of that is because it's such a dark movie uh visually like it's kind of hard to see the details like you know you're looking at a cg animated person but it also does this thing where it mixes that cg animated person with a real person in the same shot so it's like um Blade will get punched in the face and he'll go flying through the sky and it's a CG man flying through the sky. And then when he lands, it's really Wesley Snipes landing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it looks pretty, it's kind of cartoony, but it's kind of smooth. I don't know. It works for me. 
Yeah, and the sequence you're talking about in particular is, so basically he meets up with the Whistler. They, uh, he, well, he saves the Whistler in the beginning. He like basically gets him to sort of do this very fast detox like a heroin addict. There's yeah. lots of drug references in the first part yeah. of this movie. And, uh, he gets the Whistler sort of back to healthy. And so he meets up with Norman Reedus's character, uh, Scud, nice man, a pot smoking guy, already a fan of him. And so he watches like, Powerpuff Look. Girls and stuff. Yeah, it's great. Detail. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just maybe just a shout out to Gandhi Tartakovsky because, yeah, I don't mm. know, just that like young, edgy sort of creatives in that sort of same era. I don't know. I, I, I don't, they're not quite the same, but I could sort of see like someone who's a fan of Guillermo del Toro is probably going to be a fan of, uh, you know, Dexter's Lab and, you know, the stuff <laughs> that, you know, he did. Like, he, he, like, Gandhi is a really sort of visionary uh, cartoonist in that same sort of vein. But yeah, I really love like, first I want to give just a, a honorable mention to the the, sh- the way that that first little sequence inside the workshop is shot. It's just a lot of blues, a lot of like really deep blues and reds. Yeah. And it just looks great. But yeah, then we get this sequence in front of this entire like uh, wall of like floodlights basically. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like they're doing it like the whole like, yeah, like vampires. Shit. Yeah, vampires can't be with light or, you know, so they have this huge thing of like just lights like a nice little silhouette going. Yeah, and that fight, I think it's really good. Yeah, it's a little uh, jumpy with the editing. But yeah, I think it's, it's really nice when he like sort of is stoically holding his sword and kind of like being really cool at the beginning of the fight. And then it sort of just kind of branches out to people getting thrown around. And yeah, like the CGI people kind of flipping is a little noticeable. But I think, yeah, it, it really works with just the way that it's framed and lit. Yeah, I'm putting on that scene right now. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, like the acrobatics, it feels very much like, oh, this is, like, if you didn't realize this is a Guillermo del Toro movie already, then, like, those acrobatic vampires, I think it's, maybe it's their their eyewear or something, these, like, glasses that extend over the top of their head. It just yeah. feels, it, yeah, it's like um, Hellboy's little uh, aquatic partner. He has kind of a similar thing going on with his, his eyes. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, the goggles. Goggles, definitely big hot topic item yeah, back in the early 2000s. goggles. Any uh, kids ever wear goggles in your high school? That was something that kind of happened. Those little oh, like little fad. Flavor kids or what? Yeah, yeah, we, we, exactly. <laughs> we did have a kid with the uh, like the big puffy jeans or whatever with like straps on them. I don't think we had any goggles kids though. Yeah, or like uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Like face mask, sort of like painter's mask kids. I don't think we had. Any. Yeah, it weren't like huge full face coverings, but I remember I had like a friend who got the goggles. They were just really, really into it. But yeah, that's when we sort of get in. Uh, after that fight, we get introduced to the Blood Pack. Mm-hmm. And the Blood Pack is sort of we've been kind of referring to a little bit earlier. We got yeah, Ron pack. Perlman. Yeah, yeah, we got Ron Perlman. There's Donnie Yen. Uh, there's a guy named Assad, and then there's like a sort of uh, female sort of love interest. Not really love interest, but. Is there a guy named Chupa uh, in, in this? Yes. Play? Okay, like Chupacabra? Uh, yeah, I didn't put that. Goat sucker, yeah. Oh, that's great. I didn't, uh, yeah, I did not put that together. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, uh, it's a, kind of a big group. Yeah, there's like a guy named Priest. <laughs> it's like uh, Verlaine, like this girl with a really bad red wig. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they have to be just like, yeah. I- I'm assuming if you're a comic book fan, these are all from the comic. I don't know anything about the comic. But, like, I'm guessing they just pulled out, like, a bunch of characters as, like, yeah. a, a treat for the fans. But if not, then it's yeah. just, like, it's kind of weird that the squad is as big as it is. Because these are all pretty under, underdeveloped characters. 
Yeah, Donnie Yen, his character's name is Snowman. Yeah. <laughs> is that a reference to anything? It's another drug <laughs> reference. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but um, Donnie Yen's totally wasted in this movie, I think. Yeah. Like, when the time comes when he finally meets his demise, it pretty much happens off camera. We see, like, the aftermath of it. I didn't even know what happened. I had to rewind and be like, what the fuck happened to Donnie Yen? Like, he feel- it feels like he disappeared from this movie. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, we're like, and I think that's just maybe because we just did the It Man series that we might have a little bit more just of an attachment yeah. to him just inherently. And it's really cool seeing like a younger version of him just like really flexing the, the biceps and shit. It's like being just like a master swordsman. Yeah, he, like, and I even like the little fight inside of the club where he's fighting against this one Reaper and then it like stabs it in like the crotch or something and then it like it crawls up oh, yeah. into the oh, ceiling oh my god that's like so the, like the, cool <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was into that i think yeah that that one sequence sort of makes up for it but yeah i think that the sewer scene is really frustrating because it, it's like they have a good like four or five people that kind of have to just get rid of in order to proceed to this uh finale and this yeah. climax with to get to reveal all of this story stuff behind you like- know the sewer scene. Damascus. The sewer scene. They're all wearing this. The vampires are all wearing armor to protect them from sunlight. No one's wearing it on their face. <laughs> like yeah, no, no one. Does Dave even mention that? Like this seems like a bad idea. No one's wearing helmets. Yeah. No. Just gotta. <laughs> they still have to sort of show yeah, the. We gotta the lovely actors. between the characters, but like surely someone would say something. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of an oversight. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it per- pairs perfectly with the fact that scud makes them like the uv light grenades that are just like extremely powerful so this movie puts a lot of emphasis on yeah the fact that we have blade and his human like crew making like anti-vampire things and like they're like well this is gonna hurt us too so like he's sort of there's clearly like a separation and yeah i like that scene a lot where they're just like yeah these guns have like the uv scope on and they're just like pointing it at each other it's like yeah okay It's it's like flashlight tag well, that's yeah, what I yeah. assume flashlight tags like. I never played it, but um, yeah. No. What did you think cool. of uh, Norman Reedus? In- uh, he's having a good time. He, <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's having a, a lot of fun. That just like a stoner gadget guy. Honestly, if I was ever in a movie, that's the kind of role I would want to have. Just yeah. be able to to just like crack jokes, crack jokes. You get to be like the M, like the sort of James Bond, like you know, archetype of. Well, I'm gonna make your gadgets for you. It's a little nice that we have. Uh, like the young young guy versus like the Chris Christopherson who's still here, still really good as like you know the older mentor. And yeah, I like that dynamic that they have with each other. I felt like Chris Christopherson was kind of phoning it in on this one. Like he still has that great look to him. Like he looks like a cartoon drawing of a of a god. But like um, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like he's uh, he wasn't really giving it his all in this one. <laughs> he feels like he's like sometimes he just feels like he's like not fully in the movie you know um yeah and i i felt that too but i think that just might be just the fact that there's just so many people in this movie and there's just yeah it has a a really big cast and it is very action forward and yeah there's a whole like they're doing the whole fight scene inside of well basically the entire sequence inside of the nightclub and then yeah they're like okay well you you go on top of that roof and just like just watch us with the sniper rifle yeah and then he disappears because you know he's like oh i had to go fight somebody it's just like yeah just he was just in his trailer probably were we supposed to be like wondering about him like i kept thinking like oh is he gonna double cross them somehow like is there something sketchy about him but like yeah that's definitely heavily implied because 
because Scud literally says he's like, yeah, you there's no eye. way that you gotta keep an eye. There's no way you can like read like recover from being given the vampire, you know, virus or whatever, and the speed that he did. So there's a chance that he he'll be bad. And so yeah, I think yeah. that that moment is the only like really moment, clear moment where it's like, okay, like oh, he might be, yeah, yeah he might be double crossing. He might not be. Just like and, a yeah, slight red herring. A little bit, yeah. Which you know is fine. I think it gives us some time to. Yeah, to have Scud just sort of struggle inside of the surveillance car and like try to fight off all these reapers by himself. And yeah. Instead of just turning into another like kind of shootout type of scene. Norman Reedus as Scud, he reminds me of like Edward Furlong in Terminator 2. Like if Edward Furlong yeah. grew up without developing a severe drug problem and stuff like that, I feel like he could have pulled this off. Yeah. It feels like very much the same performance. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's, it's just really nice to kind of have a lot of these sort of recognizable people in these younger roles. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I sort of dug it for that. But yeah, it is, it is definitely like an archetype kind of character. What do you think of Nisa? Nisa. Um, so I, I was reading up on it, and supposedly her and Blade were supposed to have a sex scene in the movie, but it got cut out. Uh, um, sure. <laughs> like uh, I feel like that would have only that would have like this movie was like a little bit too long for me but yeah throw in a sex scene whatever we haven't seen Blade fuck yet um, yeah and like yeah I think we, we were robbed on that we and, <laughs> yeah and it feels like there's there's like not quite enough between these two characters considering where the movie ends up like I feel like there should have been a little bit more intimacy between them but I suppose there's not even enough intimacy for a sex <laughs> yeah and yeah, I don't know. I like I like her. I dug her, but it, she kind of made me miss uh, the like female kind of love interest from the first movie, yeah. um, Boucher, right? Like I was just like, why can't we bring her back? And her, sort of, we yeah, she was really. already like a doctor character who like knew all of the shit about Blade, and you know, like they totally just part ways amicably on the top of the roof in the first one. So yeah, that kind of bugged me. And that sort of is my through line of my main criticisms of the trilogy as a whole I won't spoil anything about the third one but yeah I feel like it is nice that this is an isolated adventure for Blade but I feel like it could have done a little bit more to connect yeah. to the first one like a little besides bit of connective ju- tissue would have been nice maybe. yeah besides him just sort of saving Whistler and yeah. hanging hanging around with him I was like yeah I felt like that could have been she would have been really good and it would have been nice to see her do that really great dissection scene which is like it's a really it's like a, such a highlight of the movie just like they finally get a reaper back to their home base or whatever so they're trying to find out what makes these things tick literally and so they like crack open this like the chest plate and everything and yeah the re- what did you think about the reaper design i mean the reapers are fucking awesome yeah it's got like the the predator open mouth thing um i don't think yeah. you see its mouth open in the first scene when we're introduced to it i think we just see him attack the vampires but it's like he's got the slit in his chin and yeah. you know it's coming. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like a great uh, development on the vampire. And uh, supposedly this was something that Guillermo del Toro had already planned out for uh, some other project he was working on that like didn't get developed, did, that didn't get off the ground until like a decade later or something like that. But um and he just kind of like slightly tweaked it a little bit for Blade. This way, he could still hold on to his original designs for when he did, you know, think he wanted to do. What's that series he did? Was it just like, uh, yeah? Let me just look it up. 
series. I want to say it's like called The Strand or something like that. The Strain. The Strain, yeah. Yeah, this was the design he had for The Strain. And because oh, he couldn't okay. get The Strain off the ground, he just he tweaked it a little bit for Blade 2. And then he held on to his original design uh, for The Strain. Okay, see, I didn't know about The Strain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It, just, it really worked for me because, yeah, when we first meet Lucas, uh, Luke Goss, and yeah, he's like in the hoodie and everything, and we like we see like the line in his chin, so it's like we got a little bit of a, a little bit of foreshadowing in the hands. And yeah, when he first kills that first surgeon, it's just like a really big <laughs> splatter of blood against yeah. the wall, and yeah, it, it looks really great. And then yeah, it just sort of does it to like a drug dealer or something like in an alleyway. But when we finally do see it open up, it's it's really fucking alarming and just the design of it is just it just sticks in your fucking head and i love that we get that autopsy scene because it lets us really like get a very good look at like the fangs and the little fucking sucker whatever like little slug sucker thing yeah tentacle thing yeah it's like it's funny yeah you mentioned predator with like the mouth opening up and it also yeah is reminiscent of alien too with like the like the protruding yeah. Yeah. thing that comes out and grabs you and that has tentacles on it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And then, so yeah, and they say that the like barbed teeth, like numb you with like a neurotoxins. Yeah. And, like, they paralyze like, you or something. Paraly- yeah. Just, uh, just fucking fantastically done. And yeah, just having it under a well-lit medical light is just the perfect treat. Yeah. Of, like, like just showing like like one of those moments where it's like okay we're going to show you this and you can't look away yeah all the characters are sort of huddled over this thing and yeah it's it's just really well done yeah and it's just a fun thing to look at like cutting open the chest too and seeing all the bones around the heart and stuff it's just like this is fucking cool (laughs) like this is this is why i love horror it's like i think horror is the best genre because it's all just about like developing and releasing tension which is just like such a animalistic like thing that we enjoy um we 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 build and release tension when we have sex we build and release tension (laughs) in music we build and release tension in horror and it's also a showcase for for these artists to for their all their uh practical effects and stuff like that it's just really fun i love it yeah, and yeah, this movie just does a lot of things really fucking right. And I was gonna say, what do you think about like sort of our main villain that sends him onto this mission? Um, his name is Eli Damaskinos, like this ancient vampire. And so it's like we get, we get like this classic vampire sending him on this. Well, sorry, no, the villain is sending our hero on a mission, and it turns out that it's this sort of you know double cross. We're sort of getting into the spoiler territories yeah. of this where. It turns out that, yeah, like, you know, uh, Scud is a familiar and he was sort of yeah. tricked into going on this mission to to basically uh, <laughs> help you here. I totally I'm blanking now. Um, yeah, basically just to to help. Damaskinos? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, just to help Damaskinos. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like, like I said, this movie feels like it goes on a little too long for me. And it's because by the time we get to this stuff, I'm kind of checked out. Like, um, because we just saw Blade murder, like, a million vampires in a sewer. So it's, like, getting the reveal that, like, Scud is a bad guy. I'm like, okay. (laughs) He blows him up. Okay, cool. Um, Damaskinos, we've gotten these little scenes from him on occasion, but it doesn't feel like... I don't feel like there's a real... There's that much of a presence from this character. Uh, I'm not like, can't wait for Blade to meet Damaskinos. Like, 
there's no, I've never had yeah. that feeling. And um, and even Nomak, I'm not like that intrigued by. It, to me, like these characters are just excuses to have Blade fight a bunch of vampires. <laughs> like that. Yeah, just that excuses is the for excuses for set pieces and dope yeah, shit. Yeah, for double. So yeah, the, yeah. The moment when Nomak walks in, and he's like, he's my son, and he's you know they kind of have that like little reunion. Yeah. It, like yeah, I think there could be. I know. I feel like it could be a little bit bigger than what it was, but. Yeah, I think yeah, just the the sort of set helps sells it a little bit. Like, yeah, there's this really nice like evil lair with like all of like, like Damaskinos has been trying to make the perfect vampire. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, so he's he's trying to he's been genetically modifying all these different you know little like Beat embryos sense, or whatever yeah. <laughs> to get to Very. create the perfect vampire that eventually will be like even been pervious to sunlight. And so yeah, he wants to he is big vampire goals big vampire dreams mm-hmm. but it gets stopped once you know this whole plan kind of crumbles and blade discovers it but yeah i like the the large the very jurassic park feeling of, of the, <laughs> the, the this is what the large... we need the co- crossover movie between jurassic park and blade <laughs> vampire raptors <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like the huge metal thing containing all of the like vampire embryos and just like the massive pool of blood that we yeah. get and, yeah, and just like uh, Blade gets put on a, like a like a metal slab, like this metal yeah. table that has all these holes in it, and there's all these spikes just sort of come out and just just protrude him all over his body. And so yeah, like it's yeah, all that stuff looks great, but yeah, just the kind of the reveal that he's been doing, like he's been sort of uh, orchestrating all of this, it sort of gets lost in just like just the the shooting and fighting and like there's yeah. a lot more fun stuff happening. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, and then we just have to have him fight a hundred <laughs> uh, vampire security guards, and then take on the big bad. And yeah, I don't know. By this point, we've had so much action, and it's all been pretty good that it's just like it's like it's like John Wick three. How you see all these great action scenes, so by the time he takes on the big bad, it's just like you're tired. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like we've already seen him pe- fight people with a horse. <laughs> uh, we've seen the motorcycle fight, like. Yeah, yeah. I think John Wick three has the really fantastic knife fight sequence too. Yeah, that's like just really up close and personal. So yeah, yeah I, and I'm there it's like that. each one of the fights is like defined. Like each one has a hook. These ones they don't necessarily really have hooks. It's always just like blade with his swords and his with sword and his knives. Um, so yeah. there's not enough variety there to like keep it that intriguing. <laughs> by the time we yeah. get here. Yeah, I like the moment where uh, Whistler throws him the sunglasses and it's kind of like one shot. <laughs> very cool. It. Is, yeah, very, very badass. But I remember when I did the, the first watch and I watched all three Blade movies in one day, for some reason in my mind, I was thinking that the finale of this movie took place like, took place in a, like surrounded by fire for some reason. And I was just like, oh yeah, this is gonna, like, they're going to get to the part where they're, the final fight is going to be like all this like pyrotechnics, but that wasn't the case. It's kind of just in this big chamber yeah. and I was like, well there's oh, like that, this, yeah. this yellow glow in the space and there's like a lot of like smoke and stuff so i, I yeah i understand it's got kind of that vibe um yeah i was really so thrown off a little more i was really thrown off when he stabs him in the heart because i just remember the dissection scene they're saying that the heart is encased in bone and so i rewatched it and they do say that they're it's like encased in bone except on the side but then they quickly cut to Whistler saying something about, like, imagine driving a stake through that. So it's like, it's just reinforcing yeah. that it's encased in bone. 
And so when he stabs him in his quote unquote weak point, um, it's just like it felt. Yeah, I feel like we should have had a little bit more clarification on that. Like it's only mentioned in passing that there is a weak spot. Maybe if they actually showed it during the dissection, um, yeah. that would have helped to drive it, drive the point home. But or if he would have done that to a few other reapers before it's usually like well the big like wipeout scene is kind of yes yeah, all these grenades so it gets this like really like bright blue effect when it's just like uv rays sort of taking yeah. over the entire frame but yeah like i think it would have been helpful to see one or two other moments where people kind of get stabbed through the side it doesn't i don't know i like it it does the mortal combat thing where it, it zooms in yeah yeah he does the hit and so i, I, I was into that yeah and then, and then, yeah, yeah, the, the, like, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, and then he carries, is it Nisa? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes, carries Nisa, Nisa out to the sunset for very romantic slash sad, tragic death. Mm-hmm. And it feels she like it's, uh, it feels like the connection between these two characters isn't totally earned, in my opinion. Um, I feel like the weight of the scene kind of lost on me. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I feel like this would have been really good if it was with Karen or yeah. whatever the character's name from the first one. I was like, that would have been yeah, like a like a really like sort of nice visual way to send her off, like if she you know, if she did get infected with whatever. Because is it a twist that she is um, what's that guy's name? Damaskinos's daughter. Is it like a twist or is that like a reveal? I think that's what they just tell us in the beginning, right? Uh, I thought that was something that was, unless I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, unless I, I missed it at the beginning. It felt like it was a reveal later on, but I may have just missed it happening earlier on in the movie. But um I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, I don't understand why like having it be Karen would make way more sense. Um Yeah. Yeah. But then also I feel like Whistler doesn't really do much in this movie either. Like the characters yeah, are a, there's some rough spots <laughs> with the characters here yeah but yeah like you said it does function really well as just its own little chronicle its own little side story yeah. of blade like we already know generally what blade can do what what his entire vibe is and why he's doing what he's doing so let's just sort of just go into the deep end on something entirely different and just talk about the double vampires and you know just this entirely new threat that you know really intense yeah that is that it for Uh, yeah i don't really have any other i'm like watching (laughs) i'm like flipping through the movie as we're talking i'm like well i'm at the end of the movie (laughs) that's great um yeah i like the we do get a little bit of more racial commentary with no not well commentary but like racism uh ron perlman's (laughs) (laughs) just racism yeah (laughs) the full just well i'll say i'll reel back we get more acknowledging the fact that Blade is a black person. And so I think that is done in a really cheeky way when Ron Perlman first meets him, he's like, oh, do you blush? And so they have this whole thing where he flips around and sticks the fucking like tracking device into the back of his head, which we later find out is- uh, It's supposed to be an explosive device. It's supposed to be, yeah, sorry, an explosive device. Correct. And then we later find out that Scud was in cahoots with him and it actually isn't, you know, working or whatever, or it does work, but uh it, yeah it's just you know he it's pretended a it was a dud <laughs> yeah yeah he, yeah he pretended it was, it was so, a dud that was such a weird thing because it's like okay like how did this benefit blade like he just blowed up <laughs> a different guy and he's still trapped yeah. like yeah huh. well like, i mean it benefits the audience because we get to see a classic man, man exploding, exploding entirely <laughs> just chunks yeah. of meat flying it's everywhere, better to so. have norman redis explode than to have 
uh, Ron Perlman explode because we want a showdown with Ron Perlman. We want to fight. Yeah, and eventually we do get that showdown. And yeah, Blade ends up fucking slicing him in half fully. Yeah. And then when he does that, he's like, oh, do you blush? And so he gets like a little callback. And I was like, okay, you know, you're having some fun with it. You know? yeah. At least we get some acknowledgement of it. It's not quite as on the nose as Stephen Dorff calling him an uncle tom or whatever or whatever he did in the first movie but yeah no, I, I i appreciate there's there's some attempt to sort of recognize it yeah it's like that was such Blade a is a vampire and he's also a black man too so. it was weird because i was like is that a racist thing and then i was like or is this like a vampire thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was like, I was like maybe i mean they don't they drink blood like blood goes to the cheek like maybe it's a yeah. vampire thing and i'm misinterpreting it um yeah yeah. yeah it's so very confusing <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah i was reading about that and apparently that is uh something that had actually that's based on an altercation that wesley snipes had with someone where they yeah. asked if he blushed um uh, interesting yeah Damn, yeah he just, he just remembered this uh racist experience and he was like i'm gonna chop that man in half <laughs> i'm with my sunglasses slice him fully in half yeah. and get a nice bisection of ron perlman see uh, entire body split in the lost highway the david lynch movie i remember hearing this story about like how when david lynch was making twin peaks this man like cut them off on the road when they were driving around and like david mm. lynch was all pissed off about it and someone said like oh we should go follow him and he was like oh no it's okay like uh he he said something along the lines of like you know that guy will get what's coming to him or something like that i don't know but um when they made Lost Highway, there's a scene in that movie where someone gets cut off and they end up chasing the person down and they like beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and so it was just like David Lynch like held on to that experience and then like wrote a movie <laughs> where like a man gets the shit kicked out of him for doing it. I uh, you love to see it. Uh, yeah. the, the power of filmmaking. Yeah. Wish fulfillment. <laughs> it's sort of there's a little bit of uh, therapy involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Right. Is that everything um, for Blade Two? Yeah, uh, what if you, oh. what did you watch this week? Actually, one last note on Blade 2, uh, oh. or Blade in general. One of the only superheroes, movie superheroes I can think of that has a mustache. Huh. Can you think of any other movie superheroes with a mustache? Um, I'm th- pretty sure they gave Superman one in, like, the Justice League no, movie. They, they, I, they, they, like, or they, like, they removed his mustache. They, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's what it was, yeah. And we they, wish had he had a mustache. That's the <laughs> cut they, we need. They CGI'd it out. Give us put a they should have yeah CG'd more mustaches on all of the year. The mustache cut, even Wonder Woman, the the big Ron Perlman mustache from all different styles. Not Ron Perlman, Ron Swanson mustache. Yeah, that's a a great little piece of um, I don't know representation there for all the mustachioed folks in the audience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, yeah, what have you been watching this week? I guess. Uh, I watched Malignant. Did you watch Malignant? I also watched Malignant. Did you watch it in theaters? Was it out there? Uh, no, it's not playing in theaters out here, unfortunately. Okay. Um, no, but yeah, I yeah I watched it home on a laptop and still quite enjoyed myself. Okay, good. Um, I'm really curious what you think about it because I <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, so after that opening scene, so we're gonna we're probably gonna spoil this heads up. Um, yeah, but we'll look at spoilers. We'll, 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 I think I'll, I'll we'll announce when we're actually like get into it. But um, that opening scene, I was like very into it. It's super cheesy, acting's terrible, but it's got this you know over the top lighting. The camera work is really uh, playful. 
And it to me, it just felt like, okay, this is going for camp. This is going for cheese. It's stylish sort of like exploitation thing. And, uh, and then the rest of the movie happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps up the bad writing and the bad acting. And it wore me out. And I was like, fuck, like, I fucking, this, fuck this movie. <laughs> like, I don't like James Wan. I don't think he's a good director. <laughs> um, and then we get the final act. And it was like some of the most fun I've had in a theater. <laughs> like since since theaters reopened, it was the most fun I've had in a theater. I was like laughing so hard I was in tears. That's um, great. Yeah, I had a fucking blast. And so, Did you see it with Kevin? Uh, I saw it with Kevin. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So yeah, he was <laughs> posting about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm happy you guys had a good time there. Because yeah, I was feeling the same way. Like uh, yeah, I'm watching it in my apartment, so I'm just like have the the luxury of being able to you know walk to my fridge and grab a beer or like sort of like stretch my legs, and that happened quite a bit in the middle of this movie. Because yeah, once we sort of are dealing with just Maddie's general, just kind of like dealing with her uh, like mental, <laughs> I don't know, like the just like the breakdown of her like thinking that she's actually in these other places and she's witnessing all these horrific murders and everything and yeah it does kind of drag a little bit i was really into the way that it's shot there's really fantastic shots in this movie like the overhead sort of her running through the her house and everything and the sequence in the seattle underground is really nicely done mm-hmm. uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for fog on the floor you know it yeah. works at concerts <laughs> yeah it works it like works at haunted houses <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very classic thing but once you put fogs and dry ice on the fucking floor it, it's gonna look cool and so Kakoa Shaw doing his little chase scene inside of the London Underground. Mm-hmm. And I first started to notice, I was like, yeah, like the Gabriel characters doing this weird, like backwards crab walk thing. And that was you know, really disturbing for me. But yeah, but I, yeah, I was sort of getting kind of tired towards the end. But yeah, we finally get the fucking reveal. Okay, spoiler alert. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> get the reveal of young Maddie with Gabriel, like just it attached to the back of her head. Fantastic. God. Yeah. God damn. I literally so stood up and I was like, holy shit. This is so yeah, good. Emily was next to me. She's just like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah something. Yeah. I appreciate that reaction too. Yeah. Cause yeah, just fucking well done. Yeah. And like the mix of practical and CGI is really fucking great. And I like just the, like, yeah, just the realization of, yeah, when like, the abusive husband, Derek, fucking, like, pushes her head against the wall yeah. at the beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, the first, my first instinct, I was like, this is excessive. Like, yeah. he's watching UFC, he's, like, you know, a scruffy, redneck-looking yeah, kind of guy the top. being abusive. But, yeah, then once you sort of get that towards the end of the movie, I was like, I was, you know, giving props to the writing. I was like, this is really well-written. Yeah, good for them, <laughs> like, tying really... it together, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, just... And you sort of you tweeted about the the music drop. Oh, yeah, uh, fucking about, where's yeah. my mind? <laughs> no more. Yeah. Just stop using it because it's like okay, like Fight Club. It happened in Fight Club, and like they use the actual song, and it's like okay, cool. Like it's the way we close the movie out. We go into the credits with it. Fine, like great. I love that. And then we get it in like. I'm sure there's a list of all the times it's been used. I remember watching The Leftovers and it's used in The Leftovers and mm-hmm. it's always used super literally too where it's like someone's yeah. having a mental breakdown or someone is like experiencing some form of mental illness. Like yeah. just stop it. Like and it's always yeah, like a I'm, shitty I'm cover and like um like it's used in like some fucking uh casino commercial now or something. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. So like leave the pixies alone for a bit. Pixies. See that's how I that's how I feel about a song that actually it doesn't get remixed very often. Usually it's just used 
very literally, and that's Sabotage by the Beastie oh, Boys yeah. and fucking Star Trek. God damn it oh. for using that song because yeah, it's just it's just everywhere. And like, and yeah, if you're gonna choose a Beastie Boys song, that's like one of the easy, one of the more skippable ones you can choose because there's such a diverse rap group and band with so many different styles and sounds. And so the fact that Sabotage is like the most popular Beastie Boys song just really yeah. makes me, it really bums me out because it's like, you know, you can do, it's like three chords. It's, it's just, you know, a lot of fucking, it's like, you know, screaming and it's just, it's not that great of a song, but going back to the looking at, yeah, I dug it. And yeah, I think it was, um, fan of the show can't remember his name uh, your buddy he tweeted that uh, yeah it's written by or someone tweeted yeah it's written by a black woman akila cooper and mm-hmm. i thought that was also kind of cool too yeah a little bit more of a representation in hollywood you know uh, this is one of the most talked about movies of the year yeah i, I appreciate that and it's and f- yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um yeah i was just gonna say like i think it does a lot of really clever things like the, the whole uh side mission little sequence where the sister goes to she goes back to the um, the old uh, the asylum. Essentially, yeah. she goes back to the, to so the asylum, <laughs> and she yeah, she's like going in there. It's creepy sounds. I was like, oh, I need to get the records, but the records are all the way down in the basement. And then she gets the records and is totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back home and like nothing happens. That that's like a nice little fake out, playing um, on audi- audience expectations for you know these type of sequences. Moments. When that happened in the theater, when she goes to the plays. Like, first, it's funny when she sees it because it's like, holy shit, like, <laughs> like you can't miss it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then she parks on the cliff and like people in my theater were like laughing. Yeah, I did. Too. For a moment, I was just like, yeah, this is like, why would a you very park here? <laughs> conspicuous place to park. Yeah. Also, just joking, the fact that, yeah, there's a, a giant like medical facility slash, you know, giant, massive haunted house just like tucked in the hills of Seattle somewhere. Yeah. Just, that's a nice kind of image to have. Um, yeah, I think this movie is like really it's, it's shot in a really fun way. And yeah, the acting is really over the top. The sequence inside of the precinct when Gabriel sort of just kind of goes crazy. Just, oh, no, no. The, the, well, the holding cell and then the shootout yeah. like that, just like that one, two punch is just like just so fucking fantastic to seeing. Oh, I love the weapon too. The, the weapon that Gabriel has is like golden dagger oh, yeah. that has ex- excellence written on it. That was the uh, the medical trip or yeah a medical trophy given to the doctor that sort of started all this shit but yeah i just really like that weapon as just a very just badass dagger that's just slicing a lot of people up and, um, yeah they just have fun with that a note on the holding cell when that happened i turned to emily and i was like what year is this supposed to be <laughs> there's a woman who looks like she's straight out of the 70s um yeah yeah there's also like the mom still has like a VCR and like they're like watching old VHS tapes and stuff. Yeah, um, I love cell it. Cell phones yeah. and um, I don't know. The people in the holding cell just start beating the shit out of her for no reason. <laughs> and but then that's when we get this fucking yeah. That's when Gabriel emerges and we get all the great backwards fighting and that fucking precinct scene is like. I turned to Emily and I was like, this is like Shang-Chi. Like, this is like better, yeah. like as good as like the action in Shang-Chi. Um, yeah, it's just so over the top. It's, it's so just, good. yeah, just Are, people getting thrown across the room. Yeah, throwing the chair all the way across the room. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's a good laugh in that moment. And also, uh, yeah, I appreciate the um, the side character. Because um, she's our NCIS forensics character. But she's like, she's like, why am I calling the police? Like, yeah. uh, I, like the little beat is really funny. 
and yeah it's just yeah it's just a lot of fun so really good great and also uh the name of the detective also sort of stuck out to me mainly because i'm living in korea now the big massive uh messaging app that is very popular across this entire nation is called kakoa talk okay. and so the, in our this movie the detective's name is detective kakoa shaw hmm. and so i don't know i, I just thought that it had a the, uh, uh, this felt really similar and it was just bothering me it just felt like that's a name that it's like someone being named Hestie or something like that okay. yeah kind of <laughs> sort of a little bit for the rest of the movie it's pretty like normal names i don't even like normal names but yeah just it, i know i know a guy named kanoa but yeah it's like kakoa shaw just feels yeah, like is that a name very very rhymy sounding there's a few kakoas i'm looking it up maybe maybe i'm just wrong maybe <laughs> you're just <laughs> combining it too much with my actual life. <laughs> oh, there's an actor named Kikoa Hekumano who was in Aquaman, oh. which is also James Wan. So. Okay. I have not seen Aquaman. Yeah, it's really interesting that James Wan went from Aquaman to this. That it was like, I'm making it's this. his entire career strange. <laughs> like, yeah. Conjuring, Furious 7, and then uh, he's just like starting off with Saw. Yeah. yeah, it's like starting off with like the Saw, which is pretty fucking fantastic, low budget movie, you know, like, and then slowly ramping up to the Conjuring franchise. Yeah. And yeah, now doing this, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, the trajectory is really strange, but I, I'm, I'm here for it. He's having a lot of fun. And yeah, this is like, honestly, one of the most like fun movies like of the year. Yeah. And I'm really happy sort of got to watch ruled. it. <laughs> that ending fucking rolled. And like I'm so yeah. like I remember yeah, it was another thing I said to Emily. I was like after the precinct scene, I was like, now imagine that happened at the end of the first twenty minutes. <laughs> and the rest of the movie <laughs> was just like, we gotta find this like crazy backwards person. Um, <laughs> like so like I'm hoping if they make another one that that's essentially what the movie is. Because <laughs> they totally yeah. leave it open that like like Gabriel's like, I'll be back. Like she's like, I'll be ready for you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's a really nice introduction of a yeah, <laughs> yeah a, a nice slasher villain that Origin can just show up yeah. again and yeah i also appreciate the vastness of like the depiction of the cell that gabriel gets locked in it's just mm -hmm. like just really just like an endless looking cell with the bars that just sort of reach up to the ceiling and shit okay. yeah it's really cartoony it's, it looks like it's fun tearing open the back of her head to reveal the face so yeah good. yeah and then yeah the uh the fucking foolish doctor is like, yeah, like, we removed as much as we, we could. Yeah, we so just shoved the rest in. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be all right. So that is not how, that is not sure, how it's it works. got a <laughs> it's a base with a brain, but eh, it'll be okay. So you guys could have just put a little more time into this and <laughs> solved that problem for a homegirl. But I thought yeah, it was yeah. weird that like the information is revealed to us that Gabriel's been using the the miscarriages to rebuild himself. Like that's that's revealed yeah. to us like by the sister at the very end right like we don't get that information any earlier yeah because the sister i think she's just it's just implied that the sister is just fucking brilliant yeah. she just puts it together and then she just it. like just screaming it to her on the phone like he was speeding up with your pain it's just like okay <laughs> yeah, i was like i feel like i mean you could we could have learned this information somehow. <laughs> somehow but then it's like eh, i mean i guess it's being communicated at a pretty pivotal moment so yeah, it's also pretty, just like a dark beat in general, just the fact that, yeah, Gabriel was feeding off of his unborn children. At what point did you realize, yeah, like, what were your, when were you, like, uncovering it? Because it's like, initially, I thought it was going to be a Siamese twin thing, like, they were separated at birth because of the whole, yeah. like, cut the cancer out thing. 
uh, I I was pleasantly wrong <laughs> because yeah. it's so much cooler that it's like uh, a person with their face coming out of the back of their head. But um, yeah, because like the whole time I was thinking about the um, Simpsons episode where yeah, Bart yeah. has <laughs> his former Siamese twin upstairs, um, Hugo. But uh, which he, the Venture Bros have an episode of like that too, which is really fun. And then it's also <laughs> Gabriel is also upstairs. Um, yeah, like, were you, like, putting the pieces together as the movie was going on, or were you just, like, were the surprises hitting you? Um, it, yeah, they were hitting me. I was kind of struggling putting it together because the one thing that I think, uh, one strength of this movie that sort of worked against it for me, and I feel like a, a few other people online are echoing this sentiment, too, where, like, the casting is really great. Like, uh, Maddie and her mother look really similar. And so, yeah. when, so when she's it's, revealed. When it's Maddie's. Yeah, when it's Maddie's mom's locked inside of the, the attic, I was like, wait, like, is this two of them? And I was like, uh, again, my face blindness or whatever. Like, I, just, I was just like, who is this, like, who is this other person? And then when she breaks out and then, yeah, sort of we find out that this is her mom. And yeah. yeah, Gabriel sort of been, yeah, the backwards walking kind of, through, like, that was, that's when I started, like, okay, like, something, something kind of fishy yeah. is happening here. And then it's also paired with these really psychedelic moments where whenever these events start to unfold, uh, all the surroundings around Maddie start to like melt mm-hmm. away around her. And she's like there in the room witnessing something, but she can't move. Or, so I was like, okay, I think they're implying that, yeah, there's some double person thing happening, yeah. but very happy with the direction that they took. And <laughs> it's literally inside the same body. <laughs> it's really weird that, so it's like, okay, I can understand like, Siamese twin controlling her brain and like uh you know committing these murders but they never acknowledge that they can control electricity and stuff there's no like explanation for that yeah Gabriel's just that badass just add a little bit of fun for just the the sake of having moments where lights can go out and up the horror out start yeah yeah it's like a really nice shot of just the street light outside as it zooms in, you know, sort of blinks away and she's gone. So yeah, it's, it's, I think used just for that practical effect. It's one of those movies where you, you sort of can overthink it into, into a point where stuff just doesn't work. The fact, like at the end where she's like breaking her bones to sort of face the other way, I was like, isn't that just like, yeah. you know, just severely hurt <laughs> when, when she has to turn back or like, is she just going to have it's just completely constantly dis- <laughs> dislocated bones? Supernatural, yeah. Um, yeah so once i got to that point i was like okay yeah it's like this movie isn't really that concerned with this so i'm like i'm not going to be concerned with it i'm just going to be happy that the camera is so fluid and the lighting is so good and it's just yeah the entire plot is just so fucking bonkers that it's just a good time yeah yeah i think uh like more tangible criticism i think we could have removed one of the last doctors i don't think we need like the bathtub doctor i think tighten the movie up a little bit um because get get us to that finale a little quicker because a lot of the meat uh in the middle is just it it wore me out it wore out its welcome some of the the cheese the campiness yeah i agree i definitely agree yeah. with that but yeah that's uh otherwise fucking fantastic time at the theaters <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm jealous you got to see it in theaters i feel like it'd have been uh we'd love to see like a group reaction there was only like reveal. there was like one dude in front of us and then like maybe like eight other people throughout the theater uh, okay. yeah, it was pretty small but it was like yeah the guy in front of us was like 
laughing in kind of a performative way like he 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 was like talking about how bad it was like to himself like he clearly wanted to have more of a communal experience but uh um, yeah yeah but then i think that's so interesting when that happens yeah and then some of the people behind us were like theorizing about things like whispering to each other <laughs> and then by the end of the movie everyone was just like having a blast like i think we were probably having the most fun because like we were cracking up but uh, yeah. yeah that's funny yeah when i saw it once upon a time in hollywood when the finale of that movie sorry when the climax of that movie happens and, you know it's like uh brad pitt's character just like killing all the fucking manson people sorry spoilers <laughs> killing all the the people in the manson camp there's a guy in front of me who was just like like as you said laughing in a way that felt like performative and i was like i was like yeah yes tarantino violence can be funny but this that didn't it that wasn't how i interpreted yeah. it it felt a little bit more a little more brutal to me the thing like throwing the fucking cans at her and shit so yeah it's Passing yeah into the fireplace over and over <laughs> Yeah, he's just like laughing hysterically. I was like, oh man, this is <laughs> this is like a weird kind of dark moment. But yeah, theater reactions are always my fucking favorite. That's why I loved Paranormal Activity so much when I saw it because it was me, Max, and Matt, and the theater was packed. The entire theater was full, and that it's like and you sort of have uh, you're not a big fan of Paranormal Activity, but the fact that it's just this huge group experience yeah. sort of amplified sure it to another great. level. Yeah. Um, All right. Any other parting thoughts? Think that's about Unalignant? it. Malignant? No, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Do you have a choice for next week? It is your choice. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot. <laughs> um, no, I guess I don't. Okay. Well, we'll uh we'll have to discuss that throughout the week. All right. We will find out what that is, and it'll be a surprise. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, this has been episode 51 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can tweet at us on Twitter. We're always on there tweeting about stuff. Tweet us, what do you think about malignance? Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? What have you been watching this week? If you have a suggestion, let us know. We'll put it into the rotation and we'll be a part of our conversation. Love having suggestions from the listeners. It makes it a lot more fun because, you know, it's always fun to watch something new. Okay, this has been our coverage of Blade 2. We're going to be back next week with the uh, movie we don't know yet. So stay, movie. stay tuned for that. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, I don't care. Blade 2.